Welcome. Church of the Advent is an Anglican congregation in Denver, Colorado, that seeks to share in the life of God by redefining and reorienting everything around the gospel of Jesus Christ. We hope you are challenged, encouraged, and move closer toward the gospel by this week's message. Our gospel lesson today is the third of three parables that are directed toward the religious leaders at the temple in Jerusalem. So for a little context, this is happening during Holy Week. On on Sunday, Palm Sunday, Jesus rode into Jerusalem on a donkey, the colt of a donkey. He received the welcome of, of the Messiah that they thought he was going to be to fulfill their expectation of a religious and military leader to free them from oppression from Rome and to establish Israel as a safe and secure nation from those who would seek to destroy them. And Uh, What does he do? He rides his donkey right up to the temple. He gets off the donkey, which is not that big of a leap from if you've seen a donkey, walks up the steps of the temple, goes, turns right, goes to the temple or the portico of Solomon, Solomon's porch. This is an area of the temple that has been set aside for the Gentiles, but it's been turned into a place of money changers. Now, money changing is not bad. When I was in Ireland at the airport in Dublin, I got off and I went to the exchange place and I gave them dollars and they gave me euros and because that's what I needed. And people who are traveling, non-Jews especially, who are coming from all over the Roman Empire to worship the one true God, needed to change whatever their monetary denomination was into something that could be used to buy pigeons and turtle doves and sheep and goats and oxen and wine and grain for the offerings so that their prayers could be heard and so that their sins could be forgiven. So that was necessary, but not in the place where they were supposed to be worshiping. How about put that on the outside? That's why Jesus took a rope and braided it into knots and drove the money changers out of the temple. It was the section set aside for the rest of us, whereas the temple itself was for the Jews. And uh, the Pharisees and the religious leaders who are serving in the temple are watching this happening. And uh, three weeks ago in our lectionary, if you're following the lectionary, they said, by what authority are you doing this? Who died and made you king of kings? What are you doing here casting out our money changers? And we get a cut from that, by the way. And preaching and teaching and healing like you were doing when you were traveling around the Sea of Galilee and based in Capernaum. Who are you? His first parable was directed to them about John the Baptist and why didn't you accept his authority from God? And that's the story of the two sons. And one says, yeah, I'll go work today. And then he doesn't. And the other says, no, I don't feel like it. And then does. Which one did the will of the Father? That was the first one. The second one was another vineyard story where sharecroppers, basically, tenants, have rented the, the owner's vineyard, but then when the servants come for the owner's portion, they kill the servants and send them away. Then the son comes and they kill the son, thinking they're going to inherit the vineyard. Well, they inherited wailing and gnashing of teeth in the outer darkness. Let's just put it like that. Now we come to the third one. This is the wedding banquet parable. And it's directed primarily to the religious leaders. And his message is, you guys have really messed up. 
The law of Moses was entrusted to you. These sacrifices were spelled out in painstaking detail, right? If you've read Leviticus, you know what I'm talking about. Painstaking detail so that people will grow in their relationship and understand that they are a chosen people under the one true God. And you have turned it into a franchise, into a brand. And you are getting rich off this and you're oppressing the poor. You're making it harder for them. This is, this is his basic message to them. And all the people, Gentiles and some Jews alike, in the Solomon's porch are going, yeah, preach it. That's exactly what we're experiencing. What are we going to do about that? Well, we've got our Messiah who's going to do away with all of this. And even the temple worship. John said temple worship wasn't necessary. We can be right with God by going to the border and dipping in the river there and asking forgiveness for our sins and receiving forgiveness. And now he's talking about, we have a place in the kingdom of heaven. And it doesn't matter how we wash our cups and our dishes, it's what's happening in our heart that leads to righteousness in our actions. And this is life to people who are severely oppressed and suffering. And, uh, and their shepherds have become, um, they've been exploiting them uh, for a long time. So that's the context of this parable. Now, some of you are writers and you'll recognize this isn't really a parable, it's an allegory. But we don't want to be too legalistic about it because that's what the Pharisees were doing and we don't want to be like them, right? Okay, we do not want to be like the professional religious class because they are not a lot of fun to be with sometimes. Okay, so he's speaking to them in parables. He says, the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who gave a wedding feast for his son. Well, the king is our father in heaven. And the wedding feast is the heavenly banquet that we are looking forward to. And his son, his only begotten son, the word of God is our Lord Jesus Christ. Who's the bride? We are. We are the bride of Christ, the church is the bride of Christ. We are the body of Christ, and he is the head. Uh, We're not just invited to the wedding. We are um, invited to an intimate communion, inseparable. This is why, for many of us, and I checked in the catechism yesterday, seven sacraments, two instituted by Christ, five instituted by the church. That's why holy matrimony is held in such high regard, because that is an outward and visible sign of that mystical communion that we are going to share with the Lord as one with him. Okay, so he's going to have a wedding feast. This is going to be a big deal. A wedding feast of the size that he's talking about here, where everybody's invited, all of the all of the population are invited, that's going to last days. This is a wedding at Cana kind of operation that's being planned with oxen and fatted calves. And sorry for you vegans, there will probably be kale, but it's not in the Bible. But uh, there's going to be a lot of beef. (laughs) And veal, I feel badly about the veal part, but it's there. Uh, (laughs) He's going to have, and so he sends his servants out into the countryside to invite people there's going to be a wedding. You're invited to the kingdom, to the castle, to the very best place for the very best food. Everyone's invited. Won't you come? And the servants, who are often interpreted, especially in this first round, as the prophets, are mistreated. They are beaten, they're cast out, they're rejected, and they're killed. Why? 
Well, because these guys have other stuff to do. Oh, I, I, I'm busy. I've got this farm that I'm running. You know, it, it's about haying season, and you don't, you just drop everything at haying season. Uh, I have a, a friend, a priest, who uh, grew up in Steamboat before it became a, a ski resort. And haying season, they canceled school. Everybody, everybody, everybody went out and answered that call to bring in the sheaves, so to speak, to, to get that, because if it rains on that hay, the crop's ruined. So uh, it's all hands on deck. Don't you love mixing metaphors? <laughs> all hands on deck, haying for the wedding party. Okay, <laughs> you know what I'm talking about. And I've prepared everything. It's great, you're invited. The food you, you haven't seen. It's better than cruise ship food. It's so good, come. And they say, no, I've got a farm, I've got a business, you know tax season's coming up and I've got two sets of books to juggle here and it's, it's a lot of work, so pardon me, but thanks, but no thanks. Now some of you, I think, know what RSVP stands for. RSVP, you get an invitation that says RSVP, that means responde s'il vous plaît. Please respond, pardon my French, but you know, that means give us an answer. And the answer was dead servants, dead prophets. Now, this is bad. This is really bad. What the king does is he sends his army to destroy them, to wipe them out. Now, that army is generally considered to be the angels. The angels are going to separate the sheep from the goats, the wheat from the chaff. They're going to separate all that. And so the angels are going to come in and say, you, what an affront. What, how offensive is it to say, yeah, God, no thanks, I'm too busy. What I'm doing is more important than being part of your kingdom and your celebration and mystical union with your son. I think I'd rather just do my own thing, thanks very much. And don't bother me anymore or there will be more bloodshed. Wipe them out. All right, so sends another group of servants. Let, let me just say that the Gospel of Matthew was written sometime after 70 AD. And so the context of this is the prophets are done. Now there are Christians who are going out, spreading the good news, inviting people to the kingdom, and they're getting the same treatment. And Jesus, well, this is sometime during Holy Week. By Friday at 3 o'clock, he's dead, Right? because they can't stand to hear it. Talking about an offense, an affront against God. They just can't wait to shut him up. And the only way to do it finally is to uh, bombard him with false charges and then have him executed. And by three o'clock, he's dead. That's what's going on in the hearts and minds of the Pharisees as they're watching their temple be, being taken over by this country bumpkin from the hill country of Judea. And everybody likes him better. Awful. Okay. Um, God have mercy on them. So he's the king is rightfully angry, sends out other servants and says, bring everybody, the good and the bad. Now, there's a funny thing, not funny, but an interesting thing. In the Gospel of Luke, this parable allegory also uh, takes place. Luke, the great physician, says, bring all the sick, all the crippled, all the infirmed, all, you know, all those, bring them. Matthew, bring the good and the bad. <laughs> uh, bring the good and the bad so what he's saying is he's putting on the invitation everyone's welcome here everyone's invited we are an inclusive kingdom of God come as you are 
I'll just let that sit for a second because it doesn't last in that exact way that they expected. They're invited and uh, tradition, history says that at one time, uh, kings would give out wedding garments for people to wear to the wedding, something special to wear. Nowadays, uh, that only really happens with the bridesmaids and maybe the groomsmen, right? They, they, they're all matching and at least in style, if not in color. But the idea is we're part of this. We're here for the bride. We are here and we all are wearing dresses that we will never wear again, probably. Um, <laughs> uh, but we're, we're part of it. Can you imagine if a bridesmaid said, you know, I don't really like the dress that the bride picked out. I'm going to wear what I want to wear, and I'm going to wear it better than whatever she's wearing. You think that's going to go over well? The wrath, what is it, bridezilla? (laughs) You just don't do that. Okay, but of course that wedding garment doesn't just mean a garment. It means a life of righteousness. It means New life, living in the Spirit, growing in holiness and sanctity, following more and more, becoming more and more like the bridegroom. You know, we're made in that image, letting everything else fall away and coming into grace and into being perfect even as he is perfect. I don't ever want to have to preach on that, but I will someday, and I have before. But he's saying, I want you all to come. Well, everybody comes. The good and the bad. And I'm not going to look at anybody. And the ugly. <laughs> That's a Western, spaghetti Western reference. Remember you're in your 70s or your 80s. You know this movie. <laughs> Tolkien's older, but whatever. Um, okay, so the wedding hall's filled with guests, but one one person isn't wearing the wedding garment. And the king says, friend, what are, what are you doing? What's going on? I mean, this, this was, I, I know that everybody was invited, but you're kind of sticking out here. Are you sure you belong in the right place? Because I'm kind of thinking that you don't. I think you're here for the fatted calf and the oxen and not for the mystical union with my son. You need to go. You need to go out into the outer darkness where there's wailing and gnashing of teeth. Well, that's, that's kind of a sobering idea. And our culture today, and in, in our own hearts, we're struggling with how do we be inclusive and say, Jesus died for everyone. Jesus wants everyone. His forgiveness is available to everyone. And reconcile that with the many passages in scriptures where Many are called, but few are chosen. Where there are sheep, but there are also goats. Where there is wheat, but there is also chaff. How do we reconcile that? Um, There's discussion going on right now. It's the universalist heresy is is what I, I call it. Oh, God is just so forgiving, he can't not forgive any sin. So go ahead and sin all you need to. He's gonna forgive it anyway. Don't even worry about it. Well, what that does is it turns grace into presumption. And with that presumption, what it does is it kind of cancels out the mercy and the grace aspect. This is a participation thing. We are invited to a living faith to grow uh, more and more in the image and likeness of Christ. And uh, some people have said that what this refers to is people who, well, 
The Apostle Paul and theologians, and he was a great theologian, talk about the general invitation. Everybody's welcome. But then there's a more specific response. Sometimes it's the word elect, and um, I'm not a Calvinist. You might have guessed by my smiling all the time that I am not a Calvinist. Uh, <laughs> and, and, uh, and, and so what, what we believe is that the people respond or they don't. They get it, or they don't. They're all welcome. They're all invited. It, uh, Jesus died for one and all, but there are some people who have other things to do. They're worried about other things. They've got other priorities. Um, not here, but I have served communion to people where I see it's a transaction. They're fulfilling a, a weekly duty. They were just brought up. You just do that, and they don't realize they are receiving the body and blood of our Lord Jesus Christ himself, the spiritual food of new and unending life in him. And they, for them, it's just, well, one guy said, it's all crunch and no flavor. And I'm thinking, that's not what this is about. It was a wafer. Yeah, well, that, that's true, but Jesus is in there. You just got to think about it. So all are called. All are welcome. But do you feel a fluttering in your heart when you hear his word? When, find a good translation. If you look at it and the words just swim around on the page, find a different translation in the word of God. When you come to the altar, when you sing these glorious hymns, where else shall I go? You have the words of life. As you respond, then he feeds more. And you're more welcome, and you're coming closer and closer, and you're not on the outskirts. You're coming in. Pretty soon you'll be a bridesmaid. And then the next thing you know, Jesus will be standing there. John the Baptist, best man, wearing his camel hair coat. And we will be walking down the aisle with our eyes on the one whom we love more than anything else, with our heart, soul, mind, and strength. That's his gift to us. It's a, it's a, it's a process for us. But it is a process, a journey into light, into a heavenly banquet, into everlasting joy of a peace that passes all understanding, where every tear and sorrow is washed away, where every injustice and grudge is forgotten and left behind. And we're just standing. Okay, I, I, I'm 67. I haven't been pure and spotless for a long time. Let's just say that, okay? <laughs> I think when I was born, my first words were no. But truly, the bride of Christ, the innocent, vulnerable, open, welcoming, joyful, happiest day of my life kind of person. That's what I'm getting out of this. Um, and I hope that you got something out of it as well. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, be with us, guide us, never give up on us, Lord. We say yes to you today and tomorrow and forever. Amen. Thanks for listening. We encourage you to take a moment to reflect on what God might be saying to you through what you just heard. For questions, additional information, and resources, please visit adventdenver.com.